Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we uh, talk about all the topics racing from this week and uh, preview next week for you. Before we get into discussion, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. Uh, with me as always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing. I have uh, Richard Uden, our Formula One analyst, Seth Eggert and Chris Vitti Hardy, both from Motorsports Tribune in the house as well. How is everybody tonight? Doing good. Hey. All right, so, so uh, we're coming off coming off a weekend where we had um, the Indy cars at Gateway Formula One was back in action in Spa. Uh, the NASCAR Cup boys had the the weekend off, but the uh, um, the the truck guys were up there in Canada um, at Mossport uh, Canadian Tire Motors Motorsports Park, and um, Road Atlanta hosted the Xfinity cars. So full weekend of racing all around. Um, our winners were um, Sebastian Vettel in Formula One. Will Power takes the win at Gateway, and uh, everybody named Justin uh, won races in Xfinity and trucks. That would be Justin Haley in the Truck Series and Justin Allgaier in Xfinity. So, but uh, Richard, uh, Formula One has been off for a couple weeks, um, and we've been pushing your segment to the end of the show. Uh, but now, uh, Formula One uh, back in action on one of the um, the longest or the longest track they race on, one of the most beautiful. Uh, uh, facilities in the world, the classic racetrack in Spa. Uh, that being said, so we had um, uh, Vettel take the win, and we saw the, f- you know, a, a pretty good test of the strength of the Halo. So, uh, Richard, why don't you take us through it a little bit? Yeah, it was great to be back after the the, the, the summer break. Uh, you know, everybody come back refreshed and and raring to go. Um, you know, the one of the interesting things I think coming out of of Spa was. Probably the first time in about four or five races, you actually saw the fastest car win the race. I think it was maybe thinking off the top of my head, probably back to France was the last time that you know genuinely the fastest car won the race. So um, you know, get a bit of sense, you know, sense back into the uh, into the racing for a change. Um, Ferrari was dominant all weekend. Uh, Vitello Raikkonen was leading all the practice sessions, I believe, led uh, Q one and Q two. McLaren were nowhere. They both of the McLaren cars, I believe, were knocked out in uh, in Q3, along with uh, both of the Williams cars. So, both of the uh, you know two of the bigger names in the sport there were struggling. As unfortunately, we've seen a lot of the last few years. But uh, you know, coming into Q3, typically for Spa, it started to rain in the uh, in the middle of that final ten minutes segment, and it um, you know really caught Ferrari out. They uh, they struggled in the wet, as they saw in Hungary. Uh, you know, the, the previous race. In qualifying in the rain, those Ferraris just—they just don't get hooked up in the same way that the Mercedes do. And uh, and Hamilton on a drying track, admittedly, was was able to take pole uh, ahead of uh, the rival Vettel. So going into the race, um, you know, Spa is notorious for first lap incidents. You know, you go back to '98 in the rain, where probably a dozen cars got taken out on the run between La Source and Eau Rouge. 
Um, and then a few years ago, you saw Roman Grosjean barrel rolling through uh, through the cars ahead of him as they uh, went into that first corner hairpin. And and this weekend, we saw something very, very similar there with uh, Nicker Hulkenberg um, seeming to forget his braking point and uh, slam into the back of Fernando Alonso, who again was caught up in the incident, similar to what he was uh, with Grosjean those years ago. And uh, that forced Alonso over Charles Leclerc, um, and, and all three of those cars retired pretty much on the spot. But uh, the one good thing that came out of that, as you mentioned, was the halo in Formula 1 anyway got, a, got its real first test. Um, in, I believe it was Barcelona early in the year, a couple of uh, Formula 2 cars, the, the feeder series to Formula 1, they uh, they climbed over each other and uh, there was some damage, not damage to the halo, but markings on the halo. So it had already been given a bit of a bit of a run out in uh, in Formula Two, but uh, to see that in Formula One and uh, the apparent damage caused to uh, Charles Leclerc's halo was was pretty significant. There was, uh, you know, it, it took an impact. It um, and it did its job. You know, the driver was okay. He uh, he got out of the car, walked away without any major issue. So. You know, for all those doubters that questioned Halo's, um, uh, you know, real sort of, uh, you know, purpose there, and how it was an ugly and an eyesore way, you know what, I don't think Charles Leclerc is going to be considering that uh, uh, an eyesore right now. Um, he, uh, you know, I don't know if it would have hit him, but hey. It didn't, and that's the main thing. That is the main thing, yeah. And, and, you know, as far as the damage to the halo, if you look at it, it's all superficial. The whole, yeah. the, 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 stru- I mean, the structure and the shape of it is, is still as sound as when they put well, it on. It didn't, it didn't yeah, you know, well, bend, well, bend in any way or, or, or give in any way. And, you know, that thing, they say that oh. thing is strong enough to, to, to hold a bus. So, yeah, sure did its job there, yeah. Uh, what you have to remember with carbon fiber and any crash structure, the, the main purpose of a of a crash structure is not to stop, um, you know, a, a, the impact. It's to slow it down. You look at if a car if a car goes into a you know a barrier head on, it you know there's quite a significant amount of damage in there, and it's absorbing the energy of the impact. If you had if you didn't have a crumple zone in a you know in any car a road a you know, street car a um, you know, a single seat racing car. If you just had a, I mean, it could be designed in such a way that you had no crumples on it, and that would do the damage, the driver far more damage than this relatively slow deceleration that the crumple zones give you. So I'm sure there's a certain amount that the halo is designed to give and, and also to protect the driver that's bouncing over the top as well. He's got to try and absorb his impact and slow that down as well. So there's all, you know, carbon fiber is designed to. To, to deform in a controlled manner. And if you ever get a chance to look at, especially a nose cone at the front of a uh, single seat car without any of the body, without, sorry, without any of the paint on, without any of the finish on, you'll see the carbon fibers laid out in, in lots of different layers and almost waves around the front of the car. And that is to design to, to move the energy of the impact around the structure. So, the, the, I'm sure the halo is designed in the same way. It's designed to absorb the energy, and uh, and you know, there've been some people who've been, you know, criticising the integrity of the halo and how bits can fly off and, and injure the drivers. Where no, sorry, they they need to uh, you know wind their neck in and, and sort of realise what they're really talking about. Exactly. So so at the end of the day, it was Vettel by what, 11, yeah. 11 seconds over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so how how what's that what's the point system like right so is he, how 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 uh, what's the gap now? I think it's down to eighteen points, I believe. I mean, it's less. You know, I think before Spa, it was a win. I think you know Vettel could have won, and Hamilton had a DNF, and I think they would have been tied. So I think it's gone down from twenty-five to eighteen points. So it certainly does open up now. You you look at um, Monza next weekend. Ferrari are going to be strong there, you know, and Ferrari now. Since probably around about Silverstone, have the fastest car now without any hesitation. Excuse me, any hesitation. Um, you know, the, their engine has surpassed the Mercedes power unit. A lot of people are looking at their energy regeneration system. The FIA have looked at it this year and deemed it legal. Um, and you know, Hamilton made the sort of off the cuff comment 
post-race uh, in Spa about the tricks that Ferrari have got. And they're not illegal tricks. They're tricks that every team has. And, um, you know, even, even, you know, dare I say, go back to the, you know, the, the back markers, Williams, they'll have tricks in their car that no other team has. So every team has these little, these little, you know, gimmicks or gizmos or gadgets that um, can, uh, you know, give them a little bit of, uh, little bit of advantage there. So Mercedes are definitely on the back foot, and where I think they will really struggle is going into uh, Singapore in three weeks' time, the first race uh, after Monza, where they've always struggled. You imagine Ferrari will be strong, and you imagine Red Bull will be strong. So. You know, Monza could be a little bit of damage limitation from their end, but uh, but Singapore could be a real. You know, you could quite easily see Vettel coming out of that race if he wins both of those, and Mercedes struggle. Then you could easily see um, you know Vettel coming out leading the championship post Singapore, which they deserve. You know, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, it's interesting to see how the complexion of this whole thing has changed so quickly, you know, because we're like the last two years is Mercedes, 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 and Ferrari is slowly, you know, you know, yeah. slowly uh, bridging that gap there. Now, you know, Ferrari's been every bit as good as Mercedes and, and better in most cases, although you know, sure. ha- Hamilton's still been piling up the wins. So, uh, you and know, again, uh, a lot of those have been, you know, as I mentioned. Exactly, yeah. Not, not sort of because he's had the fastest car. You know, look at... Um, you know, some of those races that he's won, they they certainly, you know, Hungary, for example, didn't have the fastest car. Uh, Germany didn't have the fastest car. So, um, yeah, it, it, they haven't always been going to script sort of thing, which is always exciting and interesting. But uh, if you're looking, you're trying to predict what happens, it makes it a lot harder. But, uh, you know, going in, um, you know, to, to, to Monza, it's going to be fascinating to see. You expect Ferrari with their new engine and the new upgrades to be be strong. I mean, there's, there's one interesting little story which I'll quickly cover that's been doing the rounds uh, on some of the social media and some of the websites is that um, Ferrari have a have a strategy now that's been going around for a few races that whenever the car is powered on and in, with regards to the electrical system, they place a bag of ice over the camera on top of the rollover hoop. Now, the, they, when they were asked about this, they, they said that, oh, it's to keep the electronics in the camera that sits there. Cool. Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, nobody else has that problem, and nobody else is camera overheats. So there's two, two sort of schools of thought here. Firstly, it's a complete, you know, what we call a red herring. It's complete, you know, nonsense, and it's just to detract from something else that they're doing or just purely for the fun of it to get people talking about it. Um, but the other thing is, as soon as the car's powered on, the camera and the FOM system transmits, and they're trying to hide something in the cockpit that the camera could see, which is a possibility. Is that, that's uh, a possibility know. for sure, but I'm going to tell you the most interesting about thing about this story, Richard. Yep. That you told it to us last week on the show. Did I? Yes. <laughs> Well, we can just edit that bit out. That'll be great. Thank <laughs> uh, yep. That's okay. No, it's still it's still a good story. But yeah, it, it's again it shows to the um, all, all, all the tricks, all the tricks that they do. You know, so and 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 that's why you leave my section to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel oh. bad. I just <laughs> anyway. So Monza next week or you hear that Patel in in Belgium? Patel won at Spa. Right, I say so. Monza coming up next week. <laughs> Monza coming up next week, and yep. and you're picking Vettel. Yep. Yep. No, no. I'm no. going to pick Kimmy. Okay. All right, Christopher DeHarty. Who would you like to pick for Monza? Give me a Valtteri. Okay, you can have him, Seth. Uh, for stopping. Okay, and Gray. Vettel. I was gonna say, wait, somebody to pick Vettel, so so that leaves me Hamilton. So, but uh, anyway, um, Monza always a good race, you know, high speed circuit, high commitment circuit. Um, the fact that the uh, the fans there are so pro Ferrari, and Ferrari is coming in as the favorite is going to be, it's just going to be amazing. There. There's always a huge sea of people in Monza, all uh, waving flags and wearing red. So. Um, so with that being said, Richard, any other Formula One news we need to uh, kind of discuss before we move on and, and break down this Gateway IndyCar race? Uh, as long as it's news from the, the last week, 
No, I don't think so. The the driver market sort of gone a little bit stagnant post uh, post summer break. Uh, there's rumours that Kimmy's going to re-sign with Ferrari for another year, and that could move Charles Leclerc to Haas um, rather than straight from Sauber to to Ferrari. So uh, that's the only sort of murmurings that came out in uh, Spa, which would be a bit of a surprise. But hey, Kimmy's must have some photographs of some of that hierarchy there within Ferrari because he. Keep signing those one-year extensions. Yeah, he's like the thing that wouldn't leave. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we like, like to crack on Kimmy, but my gosh, he is a world champion. So you can't take that away from him. So anyway, so Christopher, you spent your weekend in Gateway. Um, good race down there. Uh, good crowd. Good event. Um, it looked like, uh, I, what did they say, about 35000 on hand? The whole The whole front stretch was full. They said ticket sales were up from last year. Um, and I thought IndyCar put on a pretty good show, particularly uh, during some of those late stages there where there were some tire degradations and some uh, alternate pit strategies. We saw a lot of uh, position swapping in the in the, um, in the middle of the field and towards the front. And there was a genuine pass for the lead with uh, Power on Dixon. So, Chris, uh, let's, uh, you know, why don't you take us through Gateway a little bit? Uh, there was enough people there where I had trouble getting cell phone signal, which I guess is a good sign. Um, the good news, there were... There seems to be always a need for an improvement at Gateway. Last year, the- Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions Supply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The big complaint was traffic, so they built some new roads around the track to help alleviate that, which had helped. This year, I guess the problem was uh, cell phone signal, so I guess you could say they're going to work on getting more and more towers up next year for cell phone signal. But overall, it was an interesting weekend, um, interesting race, rather. Uh, Ed Jones and Zach Veach providing a lot of the late race entertainment with uh, Jones absolutely sending it on a couple of moves there, especially around Veach. Um, Rossi uh, giving Dale Jr. another reason why he needs to go commentate on IndyCar with uh, his slot job uh, when power was going past him there. Um, And then late in the race when you had the strategies going the way they were, some guys were saving fuel, some guys were going faster because they knew they were going to have to stop. And so you had a kind of a mix where, okay, is he going to stop? Is he going to stay out? And who is going to win? And ultimately, Bull Power was the guy that took it all uh, took it all away and ended up winning uh, at Gateway. Second place was Alexander Rossi. Third place is Scott Dixon. And that result means that Rossi closes the lead in the championship by three more points down to where it's just 26 points. And Will Power is very much alive in his championship as well. Particularly, you know, when you look at the remaining schedule of, uh, you know, Portland and um, Sonoma, uh, which are two tracks that, uh, you know, Will will perform well on. You know, well, this day and age, Will can win just about anywhere. He's such a well-rounded driver. But uh, at this point, with the momentum of winning a gateway, I wouldn't say that power's out of this by any stretch of the imagination. We could go into, um, you know, Sonoma with a tight three-man battle. Uh, you know, like we did a couple of years ago when when Dixon jumped up from third and won the championship back in uh, was it fifteen? I think so. It was fifteen. I don't have the, I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't have the stats in front of me. Yeah, it was it was in twenty fifteen. Yeah, where he was. It's fifteen because Pagano was was sixteen and New Garden was seven. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that is that is right. Right, um, right. Yeah, that's where Dixon was. Dixon was third going into the finale and, and won the thing. Yeah. Um, and with Sonoma being double points and all, it's going to be a little bit crazier with who's going to be able to win the championship because it's not going to be just two or three guys, maybe four or five. Right, right, yeah. So. 
Although, one guy that won't be is Sebastian Bourdais because he crashed out at Gateway on the first lap of the race. He was actually the last driver mathematically eligible that was competing at Gateway. Um, ten drivers were eligible. He was 10th in points, and crashing out in the first lap is uh, is not going to help you win a championship. No, no. Bourdais had an up-and-down season. Um, you know, I, I hear that there have been, <coughs> you know, a little... A little, little discontent behind the scenes. Not much, you know. The, the people that are saying that that sort of thing are probably the people not in the know. But um, you know, overall, uh, you know, heading into heading into Portland, uh, Sebastian's the last guy to win there. Um, I don't know that um, the Coin Road Course program is as strong as as you know, say the Penske's or the um, or even Andretti's out there. But uh, worked at St. Pete. It worked at St. Pete, yeah, and and it hasn't worked since. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, yeah, so Borde's Borde out, um, and the other thing we were talking about there right quick, uh, Zag Veach, um, yeah, what a, what a, a run for this guy, again, you know, looked really strong, looked really strong at Pocono, um, and he signed to a multi-year deal, so his seat is relatively safe, uh, for the next couple of years, so, uh, you, do you see, uh, you see, uh, Veach hitting the wind column maybe next year, early on, or? I'd say late next year. Yeah, I I'd say uh, probably around mid Ohio sometime because this is home race. Yeah, yep, and um, I, he just continues to improve week in and week out. And uh, you know, speaking of, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so speaking of speaking of each in the Andretti team, um, Alexander Rossi, the clutching coast again, didn't quite didn't quite get him the win. I was really kind of concerned that um, that, that Dixon was going to get him at the end there. So and then the whole thing could have backfired in his face. So, uh, but it was a tremendous amount of laps that he went without fuel. What was it like? Sixty-four laps. Uh, I don't have the math in front of me, but it was it was one of the longer stints that I had seen. Um, also, Firestone with the tires and how they were going, uh, they were able to still run quick lap times near the end there. And I think the other thing was that the marbles they weren't. They weren't as they were still bad, but they weren't as bad as some would hope that think they might be. Because Veach told a lot of us on pit road after the race, he was able to find a second groove coming off of turn four. So the rubber that built up out there actually helped him turn the car coming off of four, and he was able to use that lap after lap to try and get a good run to get some guys heading into turn number one. Interesting, yeah. And, of course, the save of the day goes to uh, Rossi, who just about lost it on the one. That was a, a pretty pretty wild move there where he saved it, uh, you know, about the second third of the race. I don't know if you recall that exact moment. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty good save there on Rossi's part. Kept his championship hopes alive. So, uh, yeah, this thing is heating up to be, a, to be a good battle. Portland is coming up. We have 25 cars entered for Portland. 25. Um you know that's that that's that's a great field. That's the biggest field we've had. You know, outside of Indy since I believe St. Pete, and I think St. Pete only had twenty four. Uh, but we've got uh, Yunko's car is going to be in there uh, with Alfonso Celis. Um, Carlos Munoz uh, will be back. He will be subbing for Robert Wickens um, in the number six car. Um, Jack Harvey will be uh, will be running the number sixty car with uh, Schmidt Peterson uh, with uh, Michael Shank. Um, so, you know, a good full field at Portland. Um, and speaking of Wiccans, um, Chris, you've, uh, you heard a little news or we all heard a little news, um, a little update from his buddy Hinch. Would you care to share that? Sure. Uh, Jeff Gluck tweeted out that, uh, he spoke with, uh, James Hinchcliffe and Hinch said that, uh, Wiccans' first words on seeing him was sick glove, bro. Referring to, uh, Hinch's glove that he was wearing, uh, compression glove after his injuries that he sustained in the uh, Pocono crash. So Wickens, you know, clearly did not lose a sense of humor, which is a very, very good sign uh, after the incident because some uh, some drivers, when they get uh, in an incident like that, you wonder how much they've changed. Well, it appears that Wickens hasn't. Yeah, which is it's good news that he's, you know, he was, you know, he was on a respirator for a while um, in an induced coma. Now he's, you know, breathing on his own. He's, he's, he's visiting friends and family members. You know, my understanding that, uh, you know, Marco um, flew uh, Hinch out there on his private jet because, because Marco has a private jet and Hinch doesn't. 
Um, flew a hitch out there. They went to visit Wickens and found him in good spirits. Um, but, but again, not a lot of not a lot coming out as far as the condition of the spinal injury. So we can only just uh, you know kind of keep uh, Robert and his family and his friends in our thoughts and, and just hope for the best. Um, realizing that the the medical care he's getting is is the best available. Um, he's still in Allentown, correct? Or have they they haven't transferred to Indianapolis yet? Have they? Uh, uh, yeah, he's still in Allentown. He's they still, haven't moved yeah. to Indy yet, but they are hoping they want they can soon. Yeah, but the Le- I mean, he's he's in good hands in Lehigh Valley Hospital. That's uh, you know, it's a major metropolis metropolis area and a very good hospital. So, um, but but our thoughts are with him and uh, Carlos Munoz in the car. That was almost a bit of a surprise. You know, we were talking like we would need a uh, a pay driver. Um, I'm not sure if Carlos uh, is bringing money to the table. My guess that uh, that he is, but uh, we haven't seen or heard from Carlos uh, since Indianapolis. Um, you know, where he had a pretty good run. Um, and you know, the, the, a lot of folks are just talking about him again. Some folks d- didn't quite understand, uh, why, why he lost his seat with Foyt, uh, when he had a, a, a you know, uh, a, a season that was non-spectacular, but largely not his fault. So, um, um, is this, is this a make or break moment for Carlos Munoz? Uh, if he wants to return to the series, Chris, in your mind? Uh, sorry. I had a bit of an audio flick out on my end. Could you repeat that? Is this a make or break moment for Carlos right now, getting another opportunity to come yes. to the car? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The thing is with uh, Munoz is that Indianapolis may not have been in the race he was hoping for, but getting this chance right here, he's not going for a championship. He's not going for um, a team. Any, there's no team championship really in IndyCar. It's all about doing what you can with this two-race splash that you have in order to show people that, hey, you know what? I haven't forgotten how to drive. I'm still a good driver and I'm capable of bringing a car to the front of the field and doing a good job for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Um, there were several qualified drivers that could have taken that car, but I'm pre- glad to see that uh, Carlos has another shot at it. Yeah, and the timing is, is you know, towards the end of the season when folks are starting to think about their lineups for next year. You know, the timing couldn't be better uh, for him to get another, get his face out there, uh, you know, show what he can do. Here when folks are looking about signing drivers, and uh, speaking about signing drivers, so let's talk a little bit about the Ganassi situation. Okay, there's uh, uh, some reports unconfirmed that uh, Felix Rosenquist is is slated to take the ten car uh, off of uh, you know out of Ed Jones's hands uh, next year. Um, Jones says he doesn't know anything to that effect. Uh, he has been told he can explore other opportunities, but he's not been told he's out. Uh, Jones had a really good run at Gateway, um, but uh, but I know for a fact that um, Ganassi and his folks are really high on Felix. Felix has tested with the team twice and tested very well. I mean, he was only just a little, just a tick off of Dixon's times uh, when the, when they tested, I believe, at Mid-Ohio two years ago. So uh, um, are you hearing any, anything on this? Are you hearing any other possibility for Jones? Um, if he does lose that ride in the, with Ganassi, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, the the funny thing about Jones is that he mentioned to me after the uh, we, we did an interview for uh, an article post race, and he said, you know, looking back on it now, I wish I would have made the move on Scott to try and take second place because at this point, Jones is racing for his career; he's not racing for a uh, championship, and that really he should have been more selfish because. You know, with how good of a run that he was having, he could have had a shot at getting a top three finish there. But by not going after um, uh, Scott there, he kind of broke up his momentum. And, yeah, not necessarily ideal. It's a double-edged sword there, right? Because, you know, part of part of being uh, the Ganassi driver is to support your teammate or support Scott Dixon. You know, uh, support Scott dead. So, you know what I mean? It's it's your damned if you do and damned if you don't in that uh in that spot right there. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. But, uh, you know, Jones is a good kid. He's, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, he's got a future in this series. But uh, the problem is the seats are few and far between. Um, and if you lose a good one, you know, uh, not much left there. But speaking of seats in the series, um, you Ghost is announced they'll expand to two cars for next year. Um, this year they did – they ran 11 – Eleven races um, with a rotating cast of drivers in one car, uh, but uh, 
they've uh, ordered another chassis. I've had it delivered. Um, so they'll have two cars and a two cars and then one spare. And they're looking to run two cars every week next year. And and he's admitted that yeah, they don't have team sponsors. Uh, they likely are going to look for pay drivers. Uh, they'll likely have uh, you know Dale Coin style rotating cast of drivers in the car. Um, which is, you know, it's reality these days. But to see, uh, uh, you know, two more two more cars on the grid each and every week instead of just the, uh, uh, you know, eleven out of eleven out of seventeen appearances, I think will be uh, good for the team. But um, it looks like he may um, drop one of his Indy Lights teams as collateral damage. Um, I tell you what, I'm thinking that uh, Ricardo Unicos is really, really bullish on this uh, move for next year. I mean. He already announced an IMSA team for next year. He's announced this. Um, I'm really surprised that he's making this move. I hope he's successful with it. Um, but I, I really hope that they can find a sponsor to kind of give the team a, a, a set baseline on getting a setup, getting a notebook built up for the races, instead of having to um, rely on several different drivers to get data for the car. Now you just have one solid point of reference, and then you can just expand from there. Um, the other thing that I'm worried about is, you know, is he going to expand too much too fast? Um, he's just he's still stepping his toe into the IndyCar waters. Is this too much for him, especially with, like I said, the IMSA program coming about? He's not going to get rid of his road to Indy uh, deals because that's where he's made, you know, a decent amount of a living over the last few seasons. He's won the last two Promaza championships. He's he's going to have Renus VK in for Indy Lights. He mentioned that in an interview recently as well, uh, assuming Renus wins the championship. If you have the availability to make money doing something, you're going to keep doing it. And I guess there's going to be a case of Ricardo's going to have to just get some more uh, people to hire to go uh, take care of his equipment. But we'll see how it turns out for him. Yeah, and I think I think one of the deciding factors is going to be whether or not a, a another really solid title sponsor comes in for, with the Mazda Road to Indy to sponsor those um, those scholarship programs uh, that Yugos uh, has been so good at collecting. You know, so agreed. So yeah, so uh, but uh, you know, take it as it is. We're off to um, we're off to Portland. Uh, there's only a handful of guys. It was 2007 was the last time we saw Indy cars in Portland, and that was the uh, Champ Car World Series, the um, the Indy Racing League, uh, which is now the Indy Car Series has never raced there. So there's a handful of guys that actually have raced at Portland. Uh, Dixon and TK raced there in carts. Um, Graham Rahal, Will Power, um, and Pagano have raced there in a Champ Car World Series, as as did uh, Simon Pagano. Or as did uh, Sebastian Bourdais, rather, who was the most recent winner there in 2007, and uh, Bourdais, and um, Bourdais as the most recent winner at Portland, and Scott Dixon uh, as the uh, championship leader have been uh, making the rounds um, at local media in the Portland area, um, trying to hype up the race. Um, the word on the street from the uh, promoter is that the ticket sales have been brisk and they're very pleased and looking for a big crowd um now this is a race that i used to really mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Enjoy watching. I've always loved the Portland racetrack. Uh, the, one of the most memorable ones for me was the uh, the Father's Day one where, um, uh, you know, Michael runs out of fuel and, and his daddy nips him right at the end and takes the win right at the line. On Father's Day, that's uh, for me. That's a, a classic uh, uh, racing moment there, where you couldn't write a better script. But uh, what, what do you feel like we're going to see coming into Portland? Um, they're going to—I know they're going to test tomorrow. Um, you know, how do you how do you think the new package is going to work there? I mean, it's hard to tell. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, obviously, the track is—you know—it's the infrastructure is is 
not as up-to-date as some of the more modern facilities we see today, although they've done a lot of work there. So, Chris, what are your thoughts about Portland? Or anybody else on the panel want to chime in as well? It's going to be an interesting uh, weekend. I think the package is going to work well at a track like this with the – we have the hard passing zone, hard breaking passing zone in turn one. We have another passing zone heading into the last uh, pair of corners. There, it's it's going to be very, very, very good to see. Uh, we are going to have a, probably a couple of drivers in the race in the turn one area with uh, a couple of risky moves. We're going to see probably a couple of fantastic overtaking maneuvers late in the race, unless of course someone just nails the setup perfectly and they just go out to lunch on, on the whole field. Uh, I think it's going to be a great, great race. I think so, too, and hopefully it'll it'll stay on the calendar for a while to come. So picking a winner is going to be tough. So, uh, so, uh, so Seth, you get the first pick since it's tough. And don't pick, don't pick Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Inside um, joke, folks. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go with Scott Dixon. Okay, good pick. Gray, who do you like for, for uh, in, uh, IndyCar coming into Portland? Will Power. Good pick, good pick. Richard? Ooh. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back in style from the gateway. Sebastian Bourdais. Sebastian Bourdais. And for you, Christopher? Rossi. Rossi, okay. So, I was seriously thinking Rossi myself here. But uh, I'm going to go with then Simon Pagano. The guy need the guy has not won this year, and he he desperately needs a win. Do you uh, just briefly on Pagano? Do you think there's a bit of pressure on him at Penske? I, no, he's signed for next year. Penske had uh, yeah, well, I mean Penske had they announced a little while back they're going to keep the same lineup for next year. Um, I, I mean, there's always pressure on you at Penske. Don't get me wrong. If you're yeah. a Penske, there's pressure on you. But uh, and as far as him being pushed out of the ride in favor of somebody else, because I know there was some talk that they were they were looking at Rossi and they were looking at Wickens, um, but they did announce recently that uh, they are keeping the the lineup intact that they have right now. Which and why wouldn't you? you they, they've got a pretty solid lineup with uh, Power Newgarden and Pagano right there. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, there's pressure on him. But uh, you know a uh, uh, a win before the season is out would uh, would would certainly be helpful. You know, you don't want to be the one guy on the Penske team that, that didn't win. Sure. Sure. So, um, all right, with that being said, um, NASCAR, uh, Cup guys had a weekend off. Uh, we had road course races for both of the junior series. Connor Daly made his debut at Road America, um, but there was some some ugly stuff in the news prior to that that uh, involving his dad that that affected uh, Connor. And just, uh, you guys have probably heard this, read this, but uh, to make a long story short, 35 years ago, uh, Derek Daly was doing an interview um, and used a term that included a racial slur, um, and the way Derek used it, he used the term to refer to himself, actually, it was not done out of malice or out of racism, uh, but uh, it was more out of ignorance of, of the culture of the United States just coming from over from Ireland. Uh, now, 35 years later, this Bob LeMay recounts the incident and gets the story all wrong, uh, gets himself fired. Derek Daly gets fired as collateral damage. Connor Daly, who was, wouldn't, wasn't even born yet, suddenly finds his sponsorship yanked, uh, from Eli Lilly, uh, you know, days before the race. And Eli Lilly has the balls to put in their statement, right? And Eli Lilly is um, committed to its uh, mission of helping people with diabetes. Well, Connor Daly has type 1 diabetes, right? And so they moved that sponsorship from Connor's car to Ty Majewski's car, who doesn't have diabetes, so how they're helping people with diabetes, I don't know. But the whole thing is... And I'll quote Robin Miller. It's a crock of shit. You know, so uh, anybody well, else want to chime in on this? You can because I know we're all really annoyed with this. Well, I'll go ahead. Uh, just one thing. Officially, they didn't actually pull the sponsorship because then they will not have run the six-car, Roush. Uh, right, the but, but 60, they moved it. 
well, they moved it, but what I was going to say is the number 60 is a Ford Performance uh, development car, so they moved the money around, essentially. But either way, they they did not want to associate themselves with Connor Daly, who was, uh, you know, no matter what his dad said, whether it was right, wrong, indifferent, whether it was in malice or not in malice, Connor had nothing to do with it, you know? I would I would argue if I, if I may I would argue that, that uh, first of all it was Bob Lamy that did it and he uh, he was ousted from the uh, Colts because he told the story uh, in front of an Af- in front of an African American coworker the issue that we have here is that is of cultural ignorance and here's what I mean by that before 1983 when Derek Daly was a rookie in the Indy, in the Indy cars at that point he had only he was a Formula One driver he had only visited the United States to run at Detroit Long Beach. Las Vegas, and I think Watkins Glen maybe once or twice, depending on when he went into Formula One. Being in such a bubble as he was at that point, he wasn't able to have himself be fully immersed in American culture by the time May of 1983 rolled around because he'd only been living in the U.S. for you know less than six months at that point. The other thing is that, he, as he mentioned in a video, Daly said that that phrase was commonly used in Britain Ireland and also in Australia at that point, and he had no idea that what that word even meant uh, in that say in that statement. And once he learned what it meant, he said, "I haven't said that word in 35 years." It was a case of you know cultural ignorance, really. And the fact of the matter is, is that he knows full well that a he made a mistake, but not only did he own up to it, learn from it, and quite frankly, it's just an overreaction. And the fact of the matter is that there's there's a massive loss of nuance here with what took place. Exactly. And, well, the other thing is, you know, Bob LeMay. Or Lamey. Lamey. Okay. Because he's a lame dude. The When he recounted the oh. story, right, when he recounted the story, he got the whole thing wrong. Or he was attributing a different story to Derek Daly. Because what LeMay said is, is was nothing like. Uh, Lamey. Okay. The guy from the the guy they used to call the place for the cults. <laughs> so Bob, so Bob Bob Lamy was recounting an entirely different story and and getting mixed up and accounting and, and putting it to Derek Daly. Uh, when I, but Daly was the first guy to say, "Hey, this is this is what happened. Yes, I said this word, and this is the context I said it in." And he and he said that uh, he said it was Robin Miller that came and told him, "Hey, look, you can't really use that word in the United States." And he was mortified. Uh, since then, Robin Miller has corroborated that story, um, and, and said, "Yeah, that's absolutely what happened." Uh, Robin was said he was driving into the speedway, had the radio on, heard the radio interview, and said, "Oops, I can't believe Derek said that." Uh, I'll need to, you know. So, but anyway, but 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 Connor Daly, not even born, totally innocent of anything, but yet. They're going to move the sponsorship off his car. So, anyway, that's who, who else wants to chime in before we get back to talking about racing? Well, I'm going to kind of segue this into racing. Uh, Connor did actually have a decent run in his debut. He was running in the top ten uh, late in the race until he had a suspension failure. Uh, he was actually battling with Catherine Legg, who was in another uh, car uh, underfunded car and eventual race winner Justin Allgaier. So you know who else had a good race? There, who James, knows what could happen? James Davison. Yes, he did. Yes. Anyway, go ahead, Seth. I'm sorry. Oh, but uh, James Davison, uh, he led one lap and he was battling with Justin Marks. The two of them got together with about five laps to go giving the lead to Justin Allgaier, who cruised to victory. I mean, it's his third road course win in a row for Allgaier, and it's his fourth win this year. Sorry, second uh, road course win in a row. Right, because he had one in mid-Ohio, yeah, so. Yes. And again, he snatched the win right at the end. So, you know, right place, right time, took, took care of his tires, took care of his car. And, uh, well, actually, he was, uh, no, he was leading pretty handily there. It was Davison. Davison messed up trying to 
trying to catch David. Who, who oh, yes. David Davison get into at the end? Justin Marks. Justin Marks. Yeah, I, I get confused because everyone in the series is named Justin. I'm <laughs> 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 kid. I kid. But again, you know, Road America as Spa is the longest and most beautiful road, road course in Europe. Um, road America is a, a, you know a very beautiful road course that we have here, and the Xfinity cars put on a great show there. They really do. So I, I really enjoyed that race. And also in that race, you had uh, Bill Elliott making what he says is his final NASCAR start. Uh, he didn't qualify very well, qualified 20th. He was running top 15 until uh, restart chain reaction, and the day just got worse from there. As he said in an interview post-race, he hit everything except the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> So, Gray, you've been quiet tonight. So, do you get a chance to watch uh, the Xfinity action or the um, or the trucks out there in uh, in in Canada? I watched the last few laps of the uh, race at Road America. Yeah, I, I thought Algar did a great job. I think and you talked about him winning. Uh, he's won two of the first three road course races in the Xfinity series. Didn't he also finish second at Watkins Glen? He did. Yep. So, uh, he pretty good. Uh, Pretty good track record on the road courses for the year, and he's got one more to go when uh, the Xfinity cars and the Cup cars run the Roval at uh, at Charlotte later in the year. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's got that. Uh, that team's got that race circled on their calendar. Uh, that 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 will be part of their uh, part of their chase too. Is that correct? It is. Okay. So yep. So I'm sure they're looking forward to that. But uh, good race. I really like. Uh, Road America. I think that's like you said, Frank. That's a, that's a great track. Uh, no matter what series runs there, uh, always a, you always see a good show there. And speaking of uh, the playoffs, the truck series started theirs up in Canada at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, uh, and it was an eventful finish as per usual. Uh, teammates Noah Gregson and Todd Gillen got together, uh, took Todd Gillen out of the lead. Gregson spun who's in the playoffs, allowing Justin Haley to take the victory, and it ended up creating a seven-truck pileup that involved their other Kyle Busch Motorsports teammate, Harrison Burton. So all three KBM trucks either got damaged or destroyed in that last corner. Oh, my gosh. So Now, uh, young Justin Haley, this was his first career win, is that correct? Second. Second, okay, my bad. He won at Gateway earlier this year. Okay. But uh, it was his first uh, road course win in the truck series. It's his first playoff win, and he's now locked into the next round of the playoffs. The next race for the truck series isn't until Vegas three weeks from now. And then after that, it's another couple weeks until the final race of this uh, segment of their playoffs at Talladega. All right. So, I'm sorry. So, the uh, any any other... Truck and Xfinity news before we start begin our preview of Darlington. Uh, not really. There's some rumors going around that uh, Noah Gregson might be moving up to the Xfinity Series to Junior Motorsports, but uh, he's had no comment, and neither has the team. So, although Dale Junior did say any driver going to his team needs minimum five million dollars worth of sponsorship. Huh. Five million for Xfinity? Yes. Wow. For a full season. Well, they should just bring that. They should bring their money to IndyCar. They got five million. He's, he's got to replace um, uh, Elliot Sadler in the one main financial uh, thing. And, right there, they're going to and possibly Tyler Reddick as well. There's rumors that he's in talks with another team to either move up to Cup or move to another team. And then also the uh, still the rumors persist about uh, uh, the fate of the uh, seventy eight team. Well, what are you hearing on that, Seth? Uh, the most recent news is that uh, Truex would end up replacing Daniel Suarez, who would be moved to the Levine family racing ninety five should they actually switch to Toyota, and that the charter would end up being for sale. And that might be where the rumors that GMS uh, was going to buy the team came from. Because if they're selling that charter and GMS is looking to move up, they're going to need a charter. 
But Where does that leave uh, Suarez? I mean, that's a bit of a demotion, really, to go from a you know a mainline Gibbs car to a, a LFR car. I mean, that's I don't think he's done that badly. Well, unless the LFR car is essentially taking Furniture's uh, slot. Mm. I know LFR won't have the resources that Furniture Row have. You know, Furniture Row's resources for for one car is probably more than some two or three car cup teams. So. Yes, and yeah, but but if you but if you look at it, you're, you're saying you know what has Suarez done wrong? You know maybe nothing. But when you have the chance to put Mar- oh, Mar- sure. Martin Truex on your team, can you imagine? Yeah, Martin Truex and Kyle Busch on the same team. What well, what a what a formidable lineup! Yeah. Holy crap! You you throw Denny throw and Denny Hamlin, yeah, Denny Hamlin in there as well, yeah. and, and and young and young Eric Jones. I mean, you've got a you've got the makings of a of a, of a super team. But let me let me. Talk about this with all those talks. Where does that leave? Uh, the, does that mean that the seventy-eight would dissolve? And then uh, that—that's what I've been hearing. And you've got Cole Pern out there. I guess Cole Pern would be part of the Truex deal, and he would he would slide on over to the Gibbs uh, program as well. And mm. and the other part of this is all of the furniture row equipment. As well, the it's essentially the shop building, all the cars, all the chassis. That's rumored to what GMS was trying to buy, but for a very discounted price. The other rumor is if Truex gets moved to to uh, Gibbs and Suarez to LFR, that that equipment, some of it would go to Gibbs and some of it would go to help jumpstart far should they go to Toyota? What do you read into that? I mean, to me, that's 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 quite shocking. That that you know, do you, do you see that that Barney? I know we know he, Barney's had some health issues uh, beginning going back to last year. Uh, do you see that him just being becoming disillusioned, or 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 he just he's 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 attained his goals. He he started a team. He he created a winner, won a championship. And now he's ready to just uh, move on. I think it's a combination of both, and the reason why is all of this talk started uh, immediately after the announcement that Five Hour Energy was not going to return. Yeah, but you would think you would think that uh, a team that was the defending uh, Cup champion uh, could attr- could attract a sponsor or a uh, a combination of sponsors together to uh to make up for what uh five in- five hour energy was putting in because you know they had like bass pro shop i don't know what what you know what uh what they were putting in but they had several other sponsors other than five hour energy yeah they had a lot of auto auto owners yeah, insurance auto right yeah yeah they were yeah. involved in that program too bass i just pro shops i just yeah right bass pro i, I just can't see that uh, that one thing, and obviously a, a, a big piece of the puzzle, but I can't see what you've got. You honestly, in a situation like that, you have got something to sell compared oh. to other the other teams with that have had and enjoyed less success. I mean, I know we're we're in uh, we're, we're in tough financial times, but I I can't believe that they could not uh, uh, come up with one or two sponsors, even if they couldn't, uh, to make up what whatever uh, Five Hour Energy was uh, was putting into that program. I, I just find that quite uh, quite hard to believe. Yeah, it's well, hard to believe that somebody that's already putting money in NASCAR might not might not want to move their money over to a guaranteed winner. You know, because you, you got guys that don't win with with uh, sponsors. You know, so they're all. Well, you that's got, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I why would you just yeah. other teams with the, with the tr- with a lesser track record, having difficulty replacing a sponsor. Exactly. I, yeah. I can't understand why the '78 group would have trouble. I mean, you don't have to replace it with one sponsor. I'm sure you could get several. I mean, you 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 know the way these things work now, uh, you sell you sell the sponsor on a particular number of races, whatever they can afford to buy. And that's what they go on for, uh, you know. Whatever I don't know what uh, I'd have to go back and count up how many races Five Hour Energy was on for this year. But it seems to me that I've seen Bass Pro Shops 
on that car for quite a number of races this year, and I haven't heard anything about Bass Pro pulling out on them. Yeah, and then Auto Owners Insurance was on a couple. I know when I was in Kentucky, they had a, that blue livery on there, and they had a Cabela yeah. livery on there once or twice, which is associated with Bass well, Pro, so yeah. It, it, so 15 races for 5-hour energy, 15 for Bass Pro, and 8 for Auto Owners, and that includes the All-Star Race and the... Uh, Class. Well, I think you could if you couldn't if you couldn't get somebody to tie on for all fifteen, which I find with the team the the caliber of the seventy eight and their track record, I find that hard to believe that somebody they couldn't find somebody to, to sign on for that it, it, for fifteen races. Hell, they could sell it sell it seven and eight, or you know, uh, break it up any way they wanted to. I'm sure you know it's it's been years. You know, with people standing in line to get on a car that's going to give them that kind of exposure. Well, oh, I know there are companies interested. There always are. Whether or not they actually come in is one thing or another. Uh, one thing I have actually uh, talked with some people here and there, uh, I won't mention any names, but there are some companies that are interested to come in that can't because of the exclusivity contracts that NASCAR has. Mm. So You mean like, like uh, the... You can't bring a Red Bull in because Monster Energy, but five five exactly. five, but five hour energy was already grandfathered in. Just like yeah. Verizon couldn't come in when they were running Sprint, which is why Verizon went to the IndyCar series. So, what other companies are not allowed in? What other exclusivity is going on? There, well, you have anything that would compete with Xfinity. Uh, essentially, anything that would compete with Camping World or Gander Outdoors, uh, Monster okay, well, Energy, and okay, various NASCAR partner sponsors. Doesn't um, doesn't Bass Pro Shops and Cabela compete with Camping World? They're grandfathered in. They're grandfathered Okay, in. all right, all right. So, and Xfinity, of course, that would uh, take out, you couldn't have DirecTV or, or, Dish. or Dish or Roku or anything like that in there, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, I... Mm. Interesting. But you couldn't have it in the Cup Series because they sponsored the Junior Series. It, it, it almost Not quite, because when uh, uh, Nationwide was a sponsor of the Xfinity Series, uh, Geico thought they were going to be uh, grandfathered in on the James Finch car, and they were told that they had to leave to either the Truck Series or the Cup Series because of the contract that Nationwide was signing the way it was worded. So it depends on the, the wording of the contracts. Well, I mean, I, I know when they sponsored the Nationwide Series, we had uh, Nationwide and Farmers involved in Cup Series. And Geico moved up to the and Cup Geico, Series. Geico, yes. We had three insurance companies essentially, you know, uh, associated with the Cup Series at one time. So. Weren't Nationwide and Farmers both with Hendrick at the same time? Yes, they were. <laughs> That's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, they were. I, yeah. yeah, they were. It's a I'm mess. Eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah, but I but I understand if you if you're um if you're putting up the money for a series sponsorship, right? Oh, oh to, yeah. to sponsor the entire well, series, you should have that because you know because there was there was no Marlboro car during the Winston Cup, you know, which no. is why which is why Marlboro was so heavily in the IndyCar. You know, yeah. which is why for right. Yeah, you know, so. the, only, the only other thing that could compete with, with, with Winston was smokeless tobacco. That's why you had Skoll and, and Copenhagen were involved during the Winston Cup days. Yep, it, yep. It really wasn't a direct competitor with uh, with Winston. All right. Well, guys, we've got about four minutes left of the show, and I do want to leave a little time to talk about uh, going to Darlington. And, Gray, I know – you're probably getting your bags packed because that's oh, an yeah. a- annual trip for you. So, uh, Gray, why don't you give us a real quick um, preview of uh, what we might see in Darlington. Then we'll go around and make our picks, and then it'll be just about time to say our goodbyes. So, Gray, the floor is yours. Well, I'll be attending my 49th consecutive Southern 500, so that, that goes that goes back a ways. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I always enjoy Darlington. Darlington is my favorite racetrack, and it Enjoy going there. Of course, again, it's throwback weekend, which has been wildly successful 
for NASCAR and for Darlington. Uh, they're expecting a big crowd there, and you usually see a pretty good, pretty good race at Darlington. Um, you know, I still look for the same three guys to 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 be there uh, and and be tough. You know, uh, Truex is going to run good there. Harvick's going to run good there. Kyle Busch is going to run there. In fact, uh, Truex was well on his way. Uh, to a win last year and uh, had a tire failure late in the race and uh, opened the door for Denny Hamlin to jump in and win his second Southern 500. But I still look for the three, the the, the, the big three as we've, we've called them all year, I still look for them to, to, to be tough there because they've run so well there in the past several years. And, of course, obviously we know what they've done this year. But um, one thing I was going to say about this throwback thing, I think they're getting a little bit outlandish with it, and they're coming up with some. I know they want to come up and pay tribute to stuff, but I think they're getting away from the original theme that that uh, that this this whole weekend was was brought into be. It was supposed to honor Cup Series cars and and things like that from the past, and they're getting in. I think Denny Hamlin's running a a, a, a color scheme for mini stock cars late model car from years ago. I think I think they really need to sit down and talk and, and rein this back in again and still continue with the throwback. But give the teams a theme that well, they need that they strictly need to adhere to. And they say maybe next year they say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna strict stick to cup cars from sixty two to sixty four. Because I think that that's the part that, that really attracts the fans. They want to see the, the throwback of the old cars. And I think, you know, teams like the Wood Brothers and Petties do such a great drop job with their throwback cars. Obviously, they have a lot more history than, than a lot of these newer teams, and they can always pull pull a, a, a color scheme or, or a theme from some of their older cars uh, back in the day, and it really resonates you know those those things really resonate with the fans when they when they show up there. I think you know that's that's one of the things I'm I'm getting a little disappointed with in this throwback. I still enjoy it, but I wish the teams would would stick more to to a, to a criteria. Well, I think I some of that I think some of that is sponsor driven. You know, yeah, but, but, but is, Seth, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, if I made it, at least Denny's looks like his old mini stock car there at least in the Cup Series. In the Xfinity Series, his Sports Clips car, which is white and red, is a throwback to J.D. Gibbs' green and silver car. You know, a lot of these things are obscure, though. How many people know what Denny Hamlin's mini-stock car is? I'm not not arguing that. I know, I know that. that. You know know what I'm saying, though, Seth. You know, I think... We're we're talking about the same thing in different ways. Yeah, I'd like to see, you know, personally, for me, a, a longtime fan, I'd like to see, just for instance, the 22 show up with a lavender car, uh, number 22, like, uh, and since it's a Ford, like Fireball Roberts' car that he, that he won uh, won the 500, I believe, in 63 with. I mean, you know, something like that. That really get the fans excited because you can, you can actually, you know, that is a true throwback wow. uh, when you look at it in that regard. Well, there are a handful that are true throwbacks. Granted, the numbers are slightly different because NASCAR really doesn't let teams change the numbers. Right, true. Uh, like you have Kyle Busch running an Ernie Irvin throwback, the first ever skills paint scheme yep. there was. Mm-hmm. In the Xfinity series, some of the smaller teams, especially uh, Carl Long's team, the one that Timmy Hill is driving for, they changed the number, their number team to the number 72 because they also run a 72 on occasion and are running a Benny Parsons throwback. Right. Mm-hmm, right. So, so there are right. some teams that are creative enough to at least run a proper throwback. And then there are some that, like you said, are just plain outlandish. Right. They take creative license and, and, and I can understand that. It's what they want to do. And I know a lot of sponsors, but I, but I, I wish they would, would would say okay guys we're gonna we're gonna hold this theme and I'm sure as popular as it is and as much exposure as this race gets I mean this probably is one of the you know we, uh, it's probably going to be one of the most well attended races of the season and get the most exposure I mean the, the, the sponsors really need to jump in on this and, and and help with it rather than than demand they have to stick to 
to to their thing too because it, it's a win win for everybody. Also, to my knowledge, there's two teams that are not running throwbacks this year: uh, Daniel Suarez in number nineteen and Alex Bowman in the eighty-eight. And I can understand that's 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 surely their prerogative. But I think if you're going to do a throwback weekend, I think you know basically we're talking about the history and heritage of the Southern 500, and some of these some of these throwbacks have nothing to do with it. I agree. Anyway, so guys, we're we're in overtime, so we need we need a green white checker right here. So uh, let's let's go around with picks. Um, Chris, I'll give you the first pick for the NASCAR race. Okay, Chris. Uh, Richard, I'll give you the first pick for the NASCAR race. Kyle Lawson. All right. Gray? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, Harvick. Seth? Kyle Busch. All right. Chris, one more time. You there? Oh, yeah. Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski. Because that leaves me, Denny Hamlin. No, 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 no. I'm going to take Martin Truex Jr. Um, That being said... um, Guys, we'll, we'll talk to you all in a week. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio. I want to thank you, Gray, Richard, Seth, and Christopher. Appreciate you guys being on. And to you folks that tune in and listen, we'll talk to you all next week. Good night. Enter website. Enter website. Enter website. Enter website.